Welcome to Divine Throughline. I'm Ma Ananda Srimati, sometimes known as Julie Pyatt, and I'm here to share with you musings and perspectives on what it really means to live life divine. Thanks so much for joining me this week. Hello, everyone. Um, checking in. I'm solo today all by myself in the meditation room at Jai House, and I'm sitting here enjoying a morning cup of a cacao latte. Actually, the recipe is from my plant-based family cookbook called The Plant Power Way. If you don't have it, uh, check it out. You can get it on Amazon. You can also get it on my site. Um, But anyway, it's good to be with you. I want to thank all of you for all of your questions and emails. I continue, continue to be delighted and inspired and, um, given a sense of hope, um, reading all of your experiences and really uh, finding out how many of you are connecting to the content that I'm offering on the show. So this means the world to me. Um, It keeps me um, uh, on track. It keeps me focused and remembering uh, that this information is important and that uh, there are people who desire to know more and to dive deeper in. So anyway, thank you so much. Um, I do want to mention that we've been really light on the donations. Um, I guess that's what hap- that's what that is what happens when you take off for a month. <laughs> but anyway, just wanted to let you know um, today uh, Harry is going to produce a show for me um, because I don't have flow flow to pay Brad this week. So anyway, um, just you know if you feel inspired, if you've been feeling some healing, if you want to be part of this community, if you want to be part of actually developing something together, uh, please do donate. You can go to my website at srimati.com. That's S-R-I-M-A-T-I.com. Go to the podcast page and you'll find a prominent button that will lead you to PayPal. Um, In addition, you can also become a a one-time sponsor or a a monthly uh, patron, patron, on uh, on the uh, platform Patreon. I know I said that like all screwed up, but anyway, you could become a patron of Divine Throughline on the um, platform Patreon. Uh, So I do have a profile there. If you want to pledge a small amount every month that's recurring, uh, that will really help us to continue to grow the show. So anyway, thank you in advance for your loving support in that way. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. So today, um, I really want to talk about uh, conscious parenting and maybe more, that's maybe too broad of a a subject title. Um, I really want to talk about the new kids I want to talk about and share some information uh, about the new energies that have been coming into the planet for actually many, many years. Um, I would probably say that some of us listening to this podcast, we are also new kids. Um, We were just some of the first ones to incarnate, uh, to come in to hold space for this particular time on the planet to shift and transform very old patriarchal energies uh, that are old and tired and used and disconnected from their divinity. divinity, divinity, divinity. So let's talk about the new kids. And in my experience, um, I am mother to four, actually five, uh, um, four that I birthed, and I have a fifth who's been living with me for about six years. Um, and uh, th- I would say that the earlier boys, um, my two older boys, while they are extremely gifted and sensitive and uh, amazing um, amazing men, uh, just really extraordinary individuals. Um, their energetic resonance is completely different to my two girls who came nine years later, uh, actually with a different father. So, um, what in my own personal experience, um, first of all, I just want to mention, uh, that I got a beautiful email from Laura asking me a few questions, but, uh, one in particular to expand on my experience in mothering Mathis, uh, and I'm going to include Jaya in that as as well, Um, and what it was like to have a child who was extremely sensitive, who didn't fit into normal uh, structures and paradigms, and how did I navigate that? So thank you, Laura. I'm going to jump right into that and 
and tell you all I can and, and hope that it will be supportive and nurturing to you in your own experience um, as being a mother. And then also I want to just thank Michaela for her amazing email about uh, an extraordinary daughter. Um, I don't know the daughter's name, but also um, this being uh, listens to Divine Throughline. She's only 15 years old. And uh, she has what uh, you know some of us would call uh, paranormal or extraordinary uh, abilities or sensitivities to connect with things like crystals and uh, you know other energies that are beyond this physical world. So um, I would like to discuss that. I'm delighted to discuss that. So um, I'm just really, really, really feel blessed that uh, you both are listening and that um, even someone. Uh, 15 years old is actually getting some support from the podcast. So anyway, thanks for being here with me. Um, it's really a, an honor and a pleasure. Uh, so anyway, getting back to my own, my own situation, uh, just to give you a little bit of background. Um, when I gave birth to Mathis, uh, she's now 12. Uh, but when I gave birth to Mathis, um, I gave birth to a being that had enough energy for five, probably five humans trying to get, trying to fit into one little baby body. And, uh, this was very, very, um, uh, it was, I would say interesting. It was uh, very unsettling and very intense. And, uh, we've been talking about it a lot together lately, Mathis and I, because now that she's 12 and she's completely in her energy field, um, it's easy to forget the kinds of things that we did when she was little and her deep connection to spirituality and, really how we had to navigate life together. Um, uh, I remind her often that she didn't leave my side for eight years. Uh, and me being a very independent individual, it was really intense, um, really quite something. I, I credit Mathis with having transformed me more than any experience of my lifetime, more than any individual of my lifetime, more than any lover, any relationship, um, she is, uh, she holds the top, uh, seat of transformation of her mother and, uh, I honor and I, uh, I am extremely grateful to her for that experience. So anyway, when Mathis showed up, um, uh, basically I had raised two boys before her in a very, uh, very deep way, very intimate way. And these boys, um, Tyler and Trapper, they kind of, uh, manage like, you know, similar to a lot of kids, you know, I'm not a super scheduled person, but you know, they were very chill, you know, they were happy about all life. Everything delighted them. Uh, you know, they were just very easy and very, uh, fluid children. I would say very energetic, mind you, you know, jumping off things and climbing the way that, you know, some kids do, but, um, they were pretty chill, and uh, and I had you know my parenting suitcase of tools that I had cultivated, very close relationship with my children. I could say that I was very successful, if you want to use that term, whatever that means, uh, with them. So I gave birth to Mathis, and uh, here comes this being, uh, and I have no idea how she's operating. Uh, all of my techniques of dealing, uh, you know, being a mother and parenting and communicating with my child, uh, were completely irrelevant to her. And she had so much energy, uh, that it was just overwhelming. Um, I, I probably had, I been a mother that was worried or would have taken her to a physician, um, I'm certain they would have diagnosed her at the time with some level of mild autism or some, uh, you know, attention deficit order or something of the kind. Uh, but that was not my style. And uh, being that I have a contract to be her mother, and I have a very strong sense of mother. If if I'm anything in this life, I'm a mother. Uh, so I I felt a need to protect her and to. Um, to uh, sort of shield her from any outside perspective, projecting judgment onto her, to define her in any box. And I felt this would be very, uh, very harmful to her. So I purposely did not consult with medical experts or uh, tell uh, friends or family that I knew did not have the bandwidth or the vision to understand some of the energies that she was dealing with. So in the early years of her life, you know, she, um, uh, 
she just had a lot of energy, so it was very hard to manage. She stayed up very, very late uh, since she was a baby. Um, it was funny because when she got to be about three, you know, Rich and I basically tell our three-year-old we were going to bed at like 10 o'clock and she would stay up another hour and a half. So it was kind of, uh, kind of a funny situation. Um, but I had tried all kinds of things to get her sleep calmed down. You know, I had, you know, tried different meditation environments, um, you know, uh, getting a sense and, and an ambiance and having her create her space. And I tried many, many things over the years. And what I found out is that if I started at 4 PM and did this entire process with her of healing, of music and of reading and meditating that I could get her to go to bed one hour before the 1130. And I figured that the six hours on the front end wasn't really worth it. <laughs> so I kind of abandoned that project. But anyway, um, it started to get really interesting with Mathis um, when she, you know, became two or three. Uh, she, We would arrive in certain situations or cer certain environments, uh, and she would just refuse to go in. She would refer refuse to enter homes. Um, she would refuse to sit in certain tables in certain restaurants that were in specific locations. Um, she would even refuse to go in to see certain healers. Um, so she was very, very sure of herself. Um, at the time, I was studying with an Indian master, master named uh, Nityananda, who actually gave me my spiritual name. And for two years, Mathis and I watched discourse uh, with him every evening together on the Bhagavad Gita. Of course, she was a year and a half or two years old. Um, so she watched all that content. She became kind of an expert in uh, Indian mystical stories of the different gods and the different deities. And she would often correct my yoga friends and tell them, you know, how this mystical story had happened. Um, but when Nityananda actually physically came to my home to speak to a group of yogis on the Patanjali Sutras, um, afterwards, it was kind of funny because she couldn't say the word Swami. So she called it Hami TV. And when he arrived, um, you know, he was sitting on his, you know, altar and we were all sitting in meditation and he offered a darshan. She refused to let him touch her. She would not take darshan from him. And instead she went and got a plate of, you know, some fruit and she sat down and watched him like in real life, how she watched him on the computer screen for all those years. Uh, so anyway, she had a very strong sense of herself and where it became a problem for me um, was when uh, the energy started to become so intense for her that she was getting angry of not being able to synthesize it in her body. So she uh, began slamming her head on the floor, um, on the walls, uh, and, you know, really intense uh, energy. She also could channel anger uh, more powerfully than any human being I've ever seen. I, I was talking about it with Harry yesterday as we all went out to dinner. Um, she could seemingly like reach into the earth core and grab some, some roar or some expression and just emote it from, you know, from the root of herself. And we would all stop dead in our tracks. Just it, it you know, all the hair standing up on our bodies. So, uh, she, she had a, a strong sense of that anger. And as a mom, you know, whenever my a child of mine is exhibiting some sort of intense behavior like that, which I, you know, I don't think is a great place to hang out in, um, I would try to change the the groove, change the channel, so that that experience doesn't get worn into the makeup or the blueprint of the child. Um, it was at this point that I actually reached out to Lisa Renee. I was blessed at the time that she was still doing private sessions, which she no longer is. If she was, I would be seeing her every month <laughs> still. But um, anyway, so, so she was available to me, and she did uh, do a remote session with Mathis. And uh, it was through her that she recommended that I reach out and I get the Paralandra essences. Um, I have to share, you know, she was quite... Um, intense in her voice when she was reading Mathis's energetic field. Uh, I've had an astrologer look at Mathis's chart and they almost couldn't talk um, because there are so many conditions opposing each other. So this is not an easy blueprint um, that she has. However, I would like to, um, to offer right now that 
it was my ability to not attach to any of their intensity around Mathis. I always believed that she would um, integrate, and I held a different vision for her. So uh, while all the intensity was going on, I held this devotional intention of this unconditional love um, that these things could be transformed or healed or integrated or calibrated or harmonized. Um, and Lisa did tell me, and the guardians who work with her, uh, they were my support, uh, maybe as this podcast is being to some of you mothers today. They were my support, and they um, gave me encouragement and told me, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing the right thing. Uh, and without them, I would have uh, it would have been much more scary. Um, I was really doing this on my own. Rich, my husband, was not in an emotional space to be able to understand. And really, no one else I knew could really deal with her or um, or communicate with her at that level. Um, so, and he was going through his own transformation at the time. We were going through financial collapse, and he was going through, you know, complete change of careers and really spiritual transformation. So, this is one aspect of my life that was massive that I was going through uh, really on my own, as so many of us mothers do. Right? I mean, so many of us uh, as mothers, we endure so much physical pain, so much discomfort. Um, and so much really service work for our families, for the men in our lives, uh, for our children and for our partners. So, um, you know, I was really in, in that process and, and really, you know, with Mathis on my own and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I, I thanked her again last night. Uh, it was, it was a magical time, uh, that just rang my bell and really w was part of my, transformation and being able to be a healer, uh, and to really step into my Dharma, um, because she really, really required me to step up. So, um, these essences are available at Paralandra. It's Paralandra, P-E-R-E-L-A-N-D-R-A hyphen ltd.com. Paralandralimited.com. Um, if you have any any uh, resonance to what I'm speaking about, also for yourself, um, I highly recommend you going online and getting these essences and starting to play with them. Um, one of the key moments in Mathis and my evolution was um, uh, after she was having so much difficulty putting her energy into one space. Um, in her body, um, it was causing her frustration. I actually got the essences and I sat down and I had a, a huge, uh, very powerful talk with her. And this talk was one of recognition. It was me saying, Mathis, I know who you are. I know you're not just a little child. Um, I know you're frustrated. I know this planet can be so intense and so difficult to manage. And I want you to know that I give you my my vow that I will be with you, that I will support you and love you and nurture you and do everything I can so that you can realize yourself. Um, for a while, I'm going to have to keep the car keys, the fire and the knives away from you. And you're going to have to understand that. Um, this talk that I had with her literally shifted everything for us. And she was no more than three and a half years old. At that moment, she understood um, that it was okay, that she didn't need to fight against me. And that, um, you know, this was sort of going to be, a, a, she believed, she trusted me. She trusted me and she felt safe with me. And she knew that I understood that she was not just a little child um, and, and that I would stand space for her. Um, the other aspect of Mathis and my relationship is that she is very powerful, extremely powerful. And, um, I, uh, had to, as her mother, be able to go, uh, toe to toe with her to, uh, to hold a space, uh, and have her bounce against me. So uh, what I mean to say is that I am not a meek mother with her. I am not, uh, you know, like wishy-washy and just like whatever you want to do is fine. Um, we go at it. And if 
it's very interesting because even as a young child, she would let's want to do something, and I would say, you know, no, that's not cool. Or I would find her uh, manipulating a game rule or manipulating the elements so that it would benefit her. Uh, and, um, you know, I will go toe to toe with her and she knows that I am strong and that she's not going to walk all over me. However, she will continue to transform her position and present it in different ways, literally relentlessly over a two, two week period. And, a lot of times within her reasoning, I will see her wisdom and I will shift my perspective. So it really is a relationship between the two of us. We're, we're, we're learning from each other and, you know, ultimately I'm her parent. So at the end of the day, I get the last say, at least at this point up until age 12. Um, but she also knows that she can come to me and say, you know what? I felt you were not right for this issue, this issue, that issue, and this issue. And when you handled this this way, this is how I feel. It was not positive. And she knows that she has a mother in me where I will look at those elements and I will say, you're right. You know, I miss, I miss, uh, interpreted this situation or I miss, I, I have a misstep. And so because I will own my side of the situation, um, this has been our relationship. So I want to just talk about somebody called, um, she's an author, and she's written about the Indigo Children. Her name is uh, Atwater, and I think it is, hold on, I just tried to write it down for you guys. Oh, P.M.H. Atwater. And she wrote a book called Beyond the Indigo Kids. Um, I can't really say that that book was that, um, it didn't change my life. That book didn't change my life. However, she did write an article once that I had on an early website of mine. And she's talking about these, this term indigo children. And, uh, in my spiritual work with Lisa Renee, we we later found that this indigo vibration, it in fact morphed, uh, quite a few years back. And now if you look at this kind of new resonance of children, it's more of an aqua Ray. And one of the qualities of these new kids or new children or new energies is that the brain is whole brain. It's not left and right brain. And a lot of uh, reasons why these children don't fit into school systems is that they're not linear. So they're not, they're not going step one, step two, step three. They're firing like a sphere of light in every direction. Let me give you a little bit of information about Mathis um, that may demonstrate this. And uh, as a young child, she had uh, kind of what you would consider paranormal uh, you know, abilities, or <clears throat> you might call it a, a psychic ability or something like that, but it wasn't really classic psychic. <clears throat> it was, um, she had an ability to know things, um, just to know them. And it was sort of like she sneezed and she knew it. It wasn't like a big power to her. It was just, it was just natural to her. It was spontaneous. So a couple, I'll tell you two instances with Mathis that will sort of demonstrate a little bit about how she was. One of them was I uh, met with a solar person. These are two instances with Matt, with that I experienced with Mathis that would kind of describe a little bit about um, how she related to uh, energy and events. So one of them was um, I had this solar panel guy come over and talk to me. I'd never met him before, a young guy, probably under 30. And he came into my living room and was giving me like the proposal for the solar system. And uh, as I'm in the middle of talking to him, uh, Mathis walks through the middle of our conversation and she drops a book on my lap from about three feet in the air. Now you can imagine, you know, how that would be. It was like, I'm in the middle of talking to this person. I'm trying to stay focused on him. And my little child walks through and she drops a book on my lap, like from a high, you know, she held it over her head and let it fall. And then she continues to walk out of the room. So again, I had, I had become aware of who Mathis was. And in a way, she sort of served as kind of an oracle for our family in those early years. 
I also talked to her brothers and explained to them because they would get very frustrated in her behavior because we would try to go to dinner and then she wouldn't sit in the restaurant. So it caused disruption to the family. So I tried to explain to them that she was not like them, that she was differently wired and that she wasn't just doing this to be difficult, but that this was, you know, who she was and that she was extremely sensitive. And so the she could feel energies that we couldn't see, and that's why she didn't want to sit in, in the corner of the room. So we made an agreement with the family to try to say yes to her as often as possible. We tried to pick our battles and really really say yes when things were not, uh, you know, not that big of a deal breaker. So, um, so here Mathis drops the book on my lap and my first thing is I'm getting angry, very angry. (laughs) And it's very, it's very sort of in my face. Like you think about all the, all the ways that that act is a statement, (laughs) you know, it's a statement of, you know, uh, Hey, look here, you know, pay attention, I've got something to say, but then she leaves the room. So I took a breath. I remembered in my mind uh, by this time who my child was, and I was like, oh, yes, it's Mathis. Let's shift our interpretation of the event. And I looked at the book, and it was a book by Nityananda. It was a spiritual book, and I, I turned it around and showed it to the man that I was meeting with, and he gasped. And he said, I have been trying to find a book by that teacher for the last week. And it was signed by Swami, and I offered it to the man. I said, this is for you. So here you are. Now, Mathis, we didn't have a bookshelf in our house. And you guys know by now that I'm not the best housekeeper in the entire world. She had to go into a cupboard in the kitchen and actually dig for that book. It was under a bunch of papers just shoved way back under... So what is that ability? How would she know at that age that that person, you know, how would she put all that together? To me, it's not even psychic. It's beyond. It's, it's grabbing some information from some location and and producing it. Another experience uh, was that I was driving in the car one day by myself, uh, speaking to my sister, Vicki, on the phone. We were talking about a therapist that I worked with early in my 20s. I was in an abusive relationship, and I went to see this student therapist uh, where I could pay her $12 an hour because she needed it as part of her study. And um, every time I went into therapy, uh, she read me a specific passage. Her, My sister said to me that day on the phone, her name was Mary Lou, and I said, no, her name was Mary Lee. It had been probably 25 years since I had even thought about her or spoken her name. So later on that evening, I went home, and reminding you again, I was in the car alone, uh, sat down, and Mathis brought me a book. And it was a book the boys had had on their shelves that their great aunt had given them. I had never read the book, a children's book. And Mathis says, read this to me. And I open the book up, and on the page is the same passage that Mary Lee read to me every time I saw her in therapy. So it was kind of this this kind of way of knowing. Um, you know, Mathis certainly would never do a parlor trick or or, you know, try to prove to somebody. This was as natural to her as sneezing, as I said, as coughing. It was not it was not paranormal to her. It was just natural to her. And of course, as she's gotten older, this ability has uh, lessened. Um, at least now, she's 12. She's identifying with rap. She's, you know, with her friends. At, now she's at school. Um, so it's shifted quite a lot. Um, however, I know she has this large foundation of who she is. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to manifest or, or if it will show up again. Uh, the negative part, or the, di- I wouldn't say negative, but the difficult part of being Mathis's mom was in the early years, she would actually process other people's energy for them. And so our scenario would go, a family would come over and play for a couple hours and leave. And then Mathis would go and vomit for 20 minutes. So her, this didn't happen five or six times. It happened hundreds of times. So I had to 
and I didn't, of course, I didn't want to tell that family that that was what Mathis does when they come over, right? So I became adept at kind of, again, holding her close, not sharing her experience with other people because I felt she had enough to manage on her own. We had enough to manage uh, having our spiritual conviction and knowing that um, this was a physical energetic. It was not a decision that she made. It was the way her body was physically designed where she would grab energy from other people and process it through her body. Um, After she vomited, she would always tell me, mom, it's just energy. And we had a, a practice of she would take a bath in sea salts and she had one specific Shiva Lingam, which is a sacred rock from India. It's like a, it's a, it's worshipped as a physical manifestation of Shiva. And this particular one was completely black. I've never seen another one. It was given to us by a very dear uh, spiritual man named Gustav Schindler, who has an amazing crystal store in Redondo Beach, by the way. Okay, so this is why I'm saying this for for you, Michaela, and your daughter. Um, I highly recommend you guys finding Sacred Stone Gallery in Redondo Beach and contacting Gustav. He is a mix between Santa Claus and Merlin, uh, absolutely a delightful man, and um, he has the most extraordinary crystal uh, collection that I've ever seen, and also his pricing is very, um, very reasonable. So you might want to call him and tell him who you are and see if he has anything, uh, you know, that he feels would be special for your daughter. Um, so, okay. Getting back on track. Um, so the other thing is I want to, so that's some of the, uh, you know, the experiences of Mathis. And again, uh, I didn't teach her how to read because she didn't want to learn how to read. Um, I ended up unschooling her, not homeschooling her, but really unschooling her, which I supported her to be in nature and be in the trees and to wake up when she wanted and not try to force her into somebody else's rhythm. Um, In addition, diet and environment are extremely important. Um, The sensitivity of these children are um, responding to processed food, to hybridized wheat, Please pay attention to hybridized wheat. Probably sourdough is a much safer option to give your child than wheat. Don't give them any wheat. Um, It is full of toxins. It's been hybridized way beyond our own evolution. And these systems cannot tolerate that that type of food, Uh, modified food, no GMOs. Um, and then, uh, you know, get the essences, um, really watch also processed sugar, uh, with these kind of energies. Um, and also I would also add in there any meat and it is because of the physical violence in the meat energies that gets ingested and the children are so sensitive to these energies, uh, that, um, it can be adverse, Um, so look into that. Um, you know, I know sometimes for some people meat as medicine is appropriate. So don't take anything I say as an absolute, you have to find your own experience, but understand that these type of energies are, you know, they're more sensitive and they're more expanded and what might not bother you might be in fact poison to them. So you need to be very, very, very diligent about, uh, what foods you're feeding your children. Um, I think all children, you know, and all of us anyway. Um, so anyway, so lucky for me when Mathis turned eight and nine, uh, the guardians and Lisa were right. Uh, all the energies came into synthesis. She is, um, a strong, powerful 12 year old going on wanting to go on, you know, 25. I'm hopeful that we've already had, we've already lived her adolescence because she was born in adolescence, but adolescent, but we'll see how that, um, how that shakes out. Um, and then speaking a little bit about Jaya, my other daughter who, um, is nine now, uh, Jaya also had a very new energetic resonance. Um, she was much more easy and facile in her, 
um, integration of her energies. However, she did not talk until she was four years old, at least not in English. She spoke what sounded like an Asian dialect, uh, sounds that were Asian in design, um, and she would speak it back to us exactly in a certain manner. If we asked her a question, she would answer with a sentence. Um, but this was a, a sound and a tone that was not familiar to our family. Um, my friend Colin, who I've mentioned often on the podcast from Living Tea, you know, he would say it sounds Tibetan. It did to me as well. Uh, and was interesting during this time, I had my dear friend Anita, who I've not seen in years. Um, she had a daughter, Tila, who had the exact same speech experience that Jaya did, and they were exactly the same age. Um, so, uh, you know, um, children are, you know, we as children, the veil is much thinner and we're much more connected to who we are. I have another dear friend of mine, Tara, um, who has four beautiful children and one of those children, uh, Louie, who I just worked with last week, um, he remembers his past life family actually viscerally in this lifetime and always has. And I had a talk with Louie last week that was similar to my epic talk with Mathis um, because Louie is delightful and magical and amazing and very powerful. And he's experiencing some of this trauma in synthesizing his energies. And we talked about him taking responsibility for his energetic resonance. Um, and, uh, because when he doesn't, he becomes violent and he becomes, um, he's outwardly expressing, which is hurting, uh, his family and causing disruption in his tribe. So we had a talk about it from that perspective. And he, in fact, um, I asked him to, um, tell us what his consequence was going to be for him losing uh, the management of his energy, because if he is in fact a powerful being, then he has a responsibility to manage his own energy. Uh, this was miraculous. Um, it was beautiful. Um, these children are not just children. They are leaders. They don't like authority. And what Atwater writes about in this article that I had on my site so many years ago, I have no idea where it is. But she did talk about the negative side of these kinds of energies uh, left uncared for and unnurtured in a world such as ours. And that is that they're powerful. So they can be easily manipulated into dark experience uncared for. So, uh, and cared for and nurtured, they will provide the creative solutions uh, for the upliftment of our planet. And so we see mothers just how important our duty or our contracts are for those of us who have agreed to bring in a child of this kind of resonance. It is not easy at all. It is not textbook. It does not allow you to go through sort of like a you know, a, a par an easy parental cakewalk of different activities and dropping your kid off here and there. Uh, these, these beings are requiring us to develop to greater and greater levels of, of what it is to be a mother. Um, so, um, yeah, so that was really my experience of Mathis. Uh, of course I have, I could do 10 episodes. I could do a whole year of episodes on the subject. Um, I spent almost two years of my life writing a book. It was, it was my memoir, but it was focused around homeschooling and around an actual educational model. Uh, the name of this model is called Jai Seed, which means victory to the seed. And, um, it's based around gardens and on, uh, you know, six pillars of values. Um, I tried, uh, very diligently over, uh, many, many years to get some families to join me in this type of community. Uh, I failed twice and I succeeded once for one year. I homeschooled with two other families, uh, and I'd love to mention them here. It was Michelle and Anne-Marie, um, and their children, uh, one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life. I had more support as a mother than I've ever had. Um, 
And we were not, uh, you know, just like people that wanted to be best friends. We literally gathered around these communal values and our children. And then, of course, we became very dear friends in the process. So um, at the time, we were co-creating, again, uh, connecting to last week's episode, as a continuation, we were connecting to these energies. We were using the Paralandra um, essences. And Michelle actually manifested really the life of her dreams based on the work we did with the Paralandra essences. Um, she ended up uh, moving into her dream home on a lake, getting a home that she did not have any means to really have. And it even sold to another individual and the messages were still, no, that's your house. That's your house. Well, she ended up getting the house after sending a letter to the man that bought the house. And it was, the whole thing was just miraculous and creative and completely not, um, usual. So, um, again, when we're creating, uh, on this planet, we're doing it in co-creation with the Davic realm, um, these sensitivities that our new children have, um, are very supported by nature and by these frequencies. Um, and so, uh, I really, really, um, have immense respect and value for the fact that they exist on the planet. Um, my memoir has taken sort of a, a different step right now. Um, I'm, working in a more global way, uh, to present sort of the memoir as an overall arching story of my life. Uh, but I will write the homeschooling book for sure. I had the honor of meeting Sir Ken Robinson, uh, last year at Muse. And, uh, if you guys don't know who he is, you have to go watch his Ted talk immediately after this podcast. Um, I think it's one of the most watched Ted talks. It's over 30 million views. And he talks about, uh, you know, creativity in school and the standardization of, of standardized school and how it's completely obsolete. And, uh, he's also quite amusing and quite genius. But anyway, I was able to meet him and we exchanged books. I gave him the plant power way and he gave me his new book. I think it's called just creativity. Um, and, uh, he was delighted that I was unschooling. So I got big hugs and big acknowledgement from one of my heroes, which was really, really sweet. Um, so check him out. <clears throat> and then the other thing that I wanted to mention, uh, is that, uh, uh, as, chill, as parents, I think the status quo in parenting is that we are looking at our child's experience through our own experience, and we are projecting our own pains onto our children. So if we suffered some pain in our childhood, we want our child to fulfill that loss in us. And of course, some of this is... Uh, all of it is well-meaning and some of it is okay. And some of it is in alignment because you may share some loves with your children. For instance, in my case, my music with my kids. Um, however, I think oftentimes, uh, we're mixing up our own evolution and putting it on our children as if it is their job to fulfill what we lacked. So what I would say to parents is that we need to stop that and we need to, instead of looking at our child all the time and all the ways that they're missing or that they're not expressing themselves, in fact, connect with our own self and our own inner child and how we can continue to heal ourselves, which is what our job is. That's why we came into a body. It is not our child's job to heal our pains. Um, and by recognizing this and releasing your child to your own process, um, you will fulfill your own life, have a greater p- potential to fulfill your own life. You will be uh, a more higher vibrating, shining example to your children. I do not really feel like the goal of a parent is to serve the child while sacrificing themselves. Um, I think this model doesn't work. And I think later in the years, um, you can give your child every extracurricular activity and drive them wherever they want to be and just basically live your whole life for them. And in the end, uh, 
you know, I don't really think that it gives them the type of lessons that may be in the highest alignment for them. Okay. And then at the end of it, you're wondering, well, who am I and where am I? And, you know, they're going to go off and they're going to live their own lives. You know, they're going to go be themselves. I believe they respect more by seeing you be an authentic being, by seeing you show up for them when it's necessary, but not necessarily uh, overpower them and helicopter them and watch their every move. Um, this sort of innate trust and devotion and knowing that they are div- a divine being, that they do not belong to you. They simply came through you and it's your contract to be of service to them. But their true parent is God, just as your true parent is God. So, we need to understand what's going on on a deeper level if we want to experience more expansion in our relationship with our children. And then sometimes you have karmic situations, you have life designs that have been created in a certain manner where the relationship between parent and child is not designed to be easy or is not designed to be even close. And this is where I really recommend that you look into the Vedic chart. You look into the chart of who you're parenting. Who is this being? You know, not everybody is designed to be a pop star. Not everyone is designed to be a successful doctor or an executive. So we apply these feelings of maybe being disappointed with the choices our children have made because we have some idea in our mind of what it means to be a success in life. Well, how would you know if you don't know who your child is, if you don't know how God created them? You know, we need artists and gardeners and teachers and, um, you know, community members or uh, monastic councils. I mean, it's, it's a million different flavors in life. Look around you. So what a freedom if we can find out who we're parenting also find out who who you are, who you're parenting with your own inner child. But find this out, you know, get a get sort of the lay of the land. Um, so again, uh, I would uh, I would really recommend seeing Chakrapani. Uh, he's world renowned. He's still alive in LA in his 80s. A gift, uh, a Vedic um, scholar. Um, and you know, amazing, right? Uh, so I think his email is info at vedicastrology.com. It's Chakrapani, C-H-A-K-R-A-P-A-N-I, I think. I could be wrong. Um, so find him. And then if you want a different vibration, uh, find Charlotte Benson. She is CB at charlottebenson.com. She's in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, she is a scholar of Vedic astrology. She has quite a few titles. Um, she is a wonderful, practical, um, just like a practical aunt that's going to tell you like it is and let you know, you know, what the lay of the land is. Um, so I really recommend those two individuals to get a picture of who you are, get a picture of who your child is, and then understand. Now, again, if I had been um, weak or I had been misdirected, when I had an astrologer look at Mathis's chart, I would have let that spin me off into, oh my God, she has such a difficult chart. You have to be responsible enough to understand that with devotion and with love, Anything can be transcended and shifted, but at least you should understand that you shouldn't be spending time being disappointed if, uh, you know, your daughter isn't super, super close with you and wants to hold your hand all the time. If it's simply not in the chart or be disappointed if your child has chosen a career of service, um, when you really hoped they were going to become a lawyer. This is the point. So again, you don't want your chart to rule you. You want to read it and get the aspects of it and use it as a loose guide to sort of direct you and give you insight and say, ah, this person really loves nature and flowers. So by having flowers next to her bed, that's very nurturing for this child. Okay. So that's, that's that. And then I just want to share with you guys, uh, another aspect, uh, of 
this magical world that we live in and being able to tap into uh, creating in a more expanded way to bringing other energies into our life that are unseen. And as I've spoken on the past episodes, I had the beautiful pleasure of being at Dom and Her uh, this last month. It's the second time that I've been there. Uh, We slept in the temples with our crew before going uh, on our retreat in Italy. And uh, Falco, uh, Terrasaco, probably said that wrong, um, he's the founder of Dom and Her, and uh, he wrote a book in 2011. I didn't know a lot about him the first time I went there eight years ago and slept in the temples. We did uh, spiritual work and ceremonies inside the temples. But of course, uh, from what he has created, uh, building these temples to mankind inside the mountain in Torino, Italy, Uh, I knew he was quite extraordinary. Uh, Reading his book uh, called Stories of an Alchemist, it's 33 stories that he wrote, um, and it's of his childhood, and it speaks of him actually, you know, riding his bike into the forest and having these otherworldly experiences, uh, time traveling, communing with different beings of different realms. And uh, he was a scientist and an inventor of sorts, Uh, I shouldn't even say of sorts. I mean, maybe he was the ultimate scientist and inventor. I'm sitting here looking at a pen that Trapper bought me, my son. And uh, I know I'm going to be writing quite a few books over the next 10 years. And um, this pen is is wrapped in wire with spirals, and it's in fact it's a it's a technique, it's an instrument. This pen for mediumship and for channeling my higher directive and my highest message. Um, and I was drawn to it, and uh, Trapper wanted to get it for me because uh, it symbolizes. Um, a lot of publishing and a lot of things that I'm going to be doing in, in those realms, as, as well as lyrics and and uh, and other things for the podcast. But uh, I have to say, after reading his book, I understand more now what this instrument is. Uh, I would suggest getting this book online at domanher.it. It's D-A-M-A-N-H-U-R dot I-T. Um, Please take a tour of the temples while you're on the site. Read about this extraordinary community. Um, I am uh, planning on taking my girls there for uh, a couple weeks. Uh, It's just an extraordinary uh, place that exists. And what an amazing opportunity to be in the vibration and to be with these people and uh, experience life in a little bit more of an expanded way than, uh, than maybe we do on a daily basis. Um, so again, uh, check out that book uh, if you want to read about the real-life Harry Potter and if you question his stories or you don't believe that it's true, uh, just look at the temples and feel into what's behind this community and how did such an individual found a community uh, that has been voted the eighth wonder of the world, that has won uh, sustainability awards for their building practices and their wine production and olive oil production, and also their amazing commitment to um, sacred language and sacred currency. Uh, it's undeniable when you look and see the physical manifestation that Falco brought into fruition, although he didn't fancy himself much of a guru. Uh, That's the other thing that you will feel there is an immense openness. There is no religion. It is an open, mature, grounded uh, community that is honoring all walks of humanity, all religions, all sacred uh, paths. And it's really felt, it's very welcoming and very easy to be there. Um, so they are near Torino in Turin, uh, and um, if you have a desire or you live in Europe, it's so easy to get there. I would be there in five seconds. Um, they teach classes. It's very open. Um, email. Uh, you can ask for Shama. Shama Viola 
is an elder there, beautiful woman uh, that I've hosted here actually in Malibu a few times. Um, they actually travel and spread the word of their community. And now when I was there, they actually have now, I think, five rooms that are at the temples. So we actually slept on the floor on mats inside the temple, but you can actually book rooms and go sleep in one of the rooms uh, for a period of nights and connect to the temple's energies. So anyway, Falco did drop his body last year. He's no longer in body, um, but I have a feeling that I'm going to be meeting him very soon uh, <laughs> in another realm. Uh, and they are in contact with him, of course. It's, it's just a veil. It's just a different experience. So wow, you guys, that's a lot. You can see that I, uh, I have a lot to, uh, to share on the subject. I want to thank uh, Michaela and um, Laura for confirming uh, the subject of this week's podcast. And um, Harry today, um, he is my, my nephew who I had on the show a few episodes back. He's going through a gender transformation. Um, and we haven't figured out, uh, you know, exactly we're, whether we're calling him him or her or how that's uh, panning out, but it, it's no matter. Um, Harry's going to produce this for us. Um, and he's offering now some uh, some mu new music that he's creating. This one is uh, one that he thought would be appropriate for an episode on magic. Uh, so we're going to share a little bit of that. He's also uh, reproducing all of my tracks on Mother of Mine and um, Jai Home. And we're reforming a band, uh, Srimati, in sort of a new expanded way with a younger sound. Uh, so I'm extremely uh, honored and blessed that my kids still want to create. Uh, they don't feel the songs have been fully expressed. Um, and, uh, you know, it's beautiful to be able to co-create with these younger beings who... Uh, have such a hip and cool and uh, amazing musical ear. So I hope you enjoy the music this week. And um, let's see, I'm just going to look at my notes and make sure that I covered everything. So um, I think I did. So let me know how you liked this podcast, if I can you know, offer anything else. And, uh, and I have immense respect for parents, immense respect for mothers and also for fathers. Uh, there are many fathers that are assuming the mother role and have that nurturing female energy within them. And of course, the state of realization is both equal amounts of masculine and feminine energy in one expression. Um, so I just want to say that I believe in parents. Um, I, I know that we all love our children and uh, I in my own life, uh, because of the way my life unfolded, because of my financial hardship at a certain nine-year period, and because of the um, fact that I know my children to be vast souls, uh, I have experienced a very deep communion with them. And it's been really one of the greatest gifts of my life, maybe the greatest gift of my life. Um, they are my tribe, the people that I adore, that I want to be with, and also the people that um, require me to show up in my best, most true form. Um, so I just want to say to all the mothers and fathers that I, I believe in you and um, I just believe in you and I trust you to find your own way and your own uh, communion with your children and your family. And if you have a child <clears throat> who is not fitting into the system, I think that's a beautiful thing and it's an amazing opportunity. And I feel that uh, we have to stop comparing ourselves to a system that is old and beaten and dead and worn. And when Rich and I were going through financial collapse... Uh, and then we would compare ourselves to our friends and our communities and what they were able to do in their lives. Um, I would point out to Rich that we can't serve two masters. You can't be a spiritual warrior and then also uh, want to be uh, top in the greed game. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a lot of money. I, money is just energy and I'm stepping into that again now, and I will have lots of money to affect what I need to do with my mission. 
but it's for a different reason, you see. So we're, we shouldn't be comparing our children to anyone. Uh, there's no comparison needed. Every life form is created in its perfect essence um, to self-actualize. It doesn't need to be compared. A frog doesn't need to be made wrong for not being a bird. And actually, this reminds me of a story by Osho, very controversial and one of my most beloved Indian teachers. Um, he would talk about, I'm going to paraphrase, uh, I had this in my book, and he didn't write this. One of his devotees actually told him, but it's a kind of a story about school, and it goes something like this. One day, a squirrel, a bird, a fish, and a rabbit got together and decided to form a school in the forest. The squirrel thought that tree jumping was essential to the curriculum. The bird considered flying an essential skill. The fish wanted to have swimming to be one of the main subjects of study. And the rabbit added that burrowing would really, really benefit everyone in their life. As they progressed in their study of a well-rounded education, the squirrel found that he was excellent at tree jumping. He almost succeeded at flying, but he missed and fell and hurt his arm. He hated swimming, and he could no longer burrow very well because he only had one hand that was working well. The bird was excelling at flying. He could fake tree jumping, he hated swimming, and he actually broke his beak burrowing. The fish was doing wonderfully at swimming. He could do a little form of flying if he jumped out of the water and could catch some air for a couple minutes. He couldn't even begin to figure out how to tree jump. It was completely out of his universe. And burrowing was in question because it had not been defined if burrowing inside the water in the bottom of the river was acceptable. The rabbit was very, very good at burrowing. He hated water, he couldn't fly, and he had no idea how to tree jump. So you can see from this example um, how it demonstrates how ridiculous uh, humans are when we try to create a standardized school system. And in fact, what happens in the end of the story is that the conclusion is, is that everybody uh, sort of became uh, less efficient at their greatest uh, um, ability or talent. Um, and then they all sort of became kind of mediocre. So this standardized education, in fact, lowered the bar for, for everyone and made them uh, sort of well-rounded, however, uh, not extraordinary in any area. So uh, I, I have paraphrases. You'll probably uh, hear it and it, it told a few different ways, but it, it makes the point. Uh, and it's a very, very specific point uh, that is very powerful. And that is that you know, all life forms are created for uh, for different purposes and reasons, and we shouldn't spend time in our life lamenting that our child uh, is is not something other than what they are. Or furthermore, ourselves at a deeper level. So anyway, I hope this was helpful to you. Um, the last thing that I want to offer is uh, that one of the greatest things that we can do for sensitivities is learn how to seal our field. Um, sealing the field is very essential and vital to uh, sensitive energies. Uh, for instance, just on the planet, uh, walking around, going into school, walking into malls, um, any places where there are a lot of human beings, there are unseen energies that go along with humans. And uh, those that are sensitive will feel those uh, and be quite uneasy around all of that or even take on energies that are not theirs. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is to learn how to seal your field. Um, uh, also, in the nighttime, uh, we are traveling outside of our bodies, working in other dimensional realities and identities, 
And uh, then we come back into the body in the morning when we wake up. And so this is kind of like a housekeeping thing that should be done like brushing your teeth. You should seal your field before you go to bed, then seal your field in the morning. As you get more adept with it, you understand how these things go. And uh, it doesn't, you know, become sort of second second nature. Uh, my children uh, used to ask me to seal their fields for them. As a parent, you have the karmic right, and you can uh, use this uh, when uh, helping your children and helping your family until they get to an age where they can do it themselves. Uh, so in the healing technique, that's what I'm going to address today. Um, it's going to be a simple sealing technique um, that any child should be able to follow along. Listen to me. I said any child. Uh, we are all vast beings of, of great experience. Uh, so all of us should be able to follow along and, uh, and learn this. And I can't, uh, I can't really emphasize enough just how important it is. So anyway, you guys, that's the show this week. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of uh, fostering this podcast. Again, if you're feeling some healing, please do donate and support the show. Uh, no amount is too small. It helps me to keep the content coming. Um, also, uh, please check out my products on my website, srimati.com, S-R-I-M-A-T-I.com. I've got the Plant Power Way there, an amazing cookbook of 120 recipes. Uh, we eat them with our family um, all throughout the week. Um, it's real food. It's tasty. There's a huge dessert section, um, and it's really a lifestyle coffee table book. So check that out on Amazon or on my site. It will click through to Rich's site. Uh, if you're not using my meditation, please check it out. Jai Release. Um, it is a 30-minute guided meditation meant to connect you to your uh, multidimensional self so that you can live the life you were meant to lead. Uh, it's 30 minutes. Uh, commit to do it for 40 days and see what changes in your life. Um, then also, if you haven't, uh, check out Rich and my relationship course on Mind Body Green. It's about cultivating the inner sacred marriage, which then allows you to enter into a divine relationship. Uh, Rich and I share our experience of being together for over 17 years, and uh, it has a lot of really great contact, content in it, and specifically how to disconnect from the princess uh, uh, Prince paradigm, uh, the need to be rescued and really fully stepping into your own, uh, your own essence of being. Um, so anyway, check all that out. You can follow me at Srimati on Instagram, S R I M A T I also on Twitter under the same handle. Um, I am sharing, uh, Instagrams about food, spirituality, and also yoga. Um, and also I just want to give a final note. Uh, when you go to Paralandra, make sure that you buy the, um, emergency trauma tincture, uh, it is absolutely miraculous for any kind of uh, health condition, headache, accident, cut, um, anything at all. So anyway, check it out, you guys. Uh, I so appreciate you. I hope you have a beautiful week and I will see you soon. All right. Namaste and blessings. Blessings.